your heart as we've prayed. Amen. I'm preaching from Psalm 90. Psalm 90. And this is a prayer of Moses, the man of God. Let us stand together as we um, hear this psalm and as we read it, realizing that this is actually a prayer, and we're in a prayer meeting. And as we read this psalm tonight, this is inspired, so you don't have to test it before you apply it. Amen? Amen. You just read it and pray it from your heart as, as we read. Psalm 90, verse 1. Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hadst formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Thou turnest man to destruction, and sayest, Return, ye children of men. For a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday when it is past, and as a watch in the night. Thou carriest them away as with a flood, they are as asleep. In the morning they are like grass which groweth up. In the morning it flourisheth and groweth up. In the evening it is cut down and withereth. For we are consumed by thine anger, and by thy wrath are we troubled. Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins, in the light of thy countenance. For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are threescore years and ten. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off, and we fly away. Who knoweth the power of thine anger, even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. So teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long, and let it repent thee concerning thy servants. O satisfy us early with thy mercy, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad, according to the days wherein thou hast afflicted us, and the years wherein we have seen evil. Let thy work appear unto thy servants, and thy glory unto their children. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. And establish thou the work of our hands upon us. Yea, the work of our hands establish thou it. Amen. You may be seated and let us briefly pray again. Father, how we pray that you would minister your word to the need of our hearts. Father, thank you for putting your your word before us tonight. Thank you for inspiring Moses to pray this prayer. And Lord, what an amazing prayer we have just seen and heard and read and and prayed in our own hearts. Lord, here is a man who lived so many thousands of years ago, and yet he's praying what we're praying tonight. And Lord, how we thank you for this prayer. We pray that you would minister the, the thoughts of this inspired text to the need of our hearts and bless us tonight. Lord, strengthen us. We're weak, we're frail, we're, we're weak vessels, all of us. But Lord, help us and, and encourage our hearts. And let your people go away gladdened and encouraged in Christ Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. Psalm 90. The heading of the psalm is not inspired, but <clears throat> by tradition it was put there. A prayer of Moses the man of God. And Moses is in Scripture uh, at least three times um, besides this, but in the very text of Scripture, um, called Moses, 
the man of God. Moses was a man of God. This is the title that was given to him. He was faithful to God, and he was a man approved by God. He was a man called by God. He was a man whom God set apart to be greatly used by God. Moses was a man of God. Amen. I I want the men here to be men of God. I want the women here to be women of God. Moses was just a man, but he was a man of God. Well, he prayed, and he prayed probably at a, a time of judgment in Israel. Um, <clears throat> there's not a lot. The, the, the psalm doesn't really tell us exactly what the time period was or what was happening. But in verse 13, Moses prays, Return, O Lord, how long? And let it repent thee concerning thy servants. Which, which verse gives us an indication that God has left his people in his gracious presence. That the people of God have sinned against God and God's judgment has fallen upon the people. And so Moses is praying, return, O Lord, how long? How often the psalmists pray that, how long, O Lord? How long till you hear us? How long till you answer us? And when the presence of God is not with us, we want him to come back. We want his presence, and so we ask him, Lord, how long? How long do I go about mourning? How long do I go about in this heaviness? How long do do I go through life without your, your gladness and your joy and your presence? And so Moses says, return, O Lord, how long? And let it repent thee concerning thy servants. And he is speaking on behalf of himself as well as all of the people whom he is leading. And he is asking the Lord that he would let it repent him concerning his servants because they're under judgment, because something is not right between them and God. And so we have something of an idea of of Moses' heart as he prays this prayer that he really wants God to come. He wants God to return. He wants the presence of God in the midst of the people. And that is our prayer, and that is our need tonight. In this day of judgment, in this day of chastening, in this day in which we, we look with some measure of uncertainty at all the things that are happening around us, and I trust you are looking at those things and praying and asking God to do something, but Moses has given us a prayer. How can we pray when we're going through such a time as this? Moses is showing us. Moses is giving us words to pray. He's giving us thoughts. He's giving us a form that we can go before our God. Well, this is an inspired prayer. This is a prayer that God has put in his book, in the Bible. This this prayer is breathed out by God. Even though it came from the lips of Moses, it's God's prayer for us. It is an inspired prayer. Isn't that wonderful? That here we have a prayer that we can just pray. And we know it's, it's, a, it's a God prayer. It's, it's a prayer that God has given us. It's good for a prayer meeting group. It's also fitting for this preacher, as yesterday I just turned 65. (laughs) 65 years young. And I look back and I say, wow, life has been so brief. Life has been so fast. It just seems almost, believe this, (laughs) it seems almost like yesterday that I got married to that beautiful lady that God gave me in my life. And it just seems like yesterday that Victor was born. And I was in that hospital and, and I was walking around just telling the nurses, I'm a dad. And I was so happy in that hospital sanatorium in uh, Wildwood, Georgia. And it seems like just yesterday that Grace was born. And just like yesterday that all of my other children came into the world. It just seems so quick. 
that life has come and life has gone. Does it seem like that to others? It, it, life, life travels so quickly. The days pass. You know, you woke up this morning, didn't you? And you were aware that you were in a new day and it's all gone. And now we're in the evening and the day is gone. And <laughs> this will soon be over and we'll be going to bed and we'll be probably um, saying a few words about the message or, or just crying out to God in, in, as we lay in bed. <clears throat> It'll all go so quickly and tomorrow will come in the next day. And Moses is talking about that. Moses is talking about the brevity of life in this psalm. Life is, is so brief, and this, this prayer is so full of that. <clears throat> Notice some of the time words that are here. <clears throat> Notice that Moses says, Lord, you've been our dwelling place in all generations. All generations. That has to do with time. Before the mountains were brought forth. Well, that has to do with pre-time, doesn't it? Wherever thou, ha- thou hadst formed the earth, ever is a time word. Form the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Time words, everlasting to everlasting, or at least it gives us the concept of time, even though God is outside of time. He says in verse 4, a thousand years, time, time words, right? A thousand years in thy sight but as yesterday, a time word, when it is past, and as a watch in the night. Night is a time word, and a watch has to do with time in the night. And so time, I'm not going to belabor this, but the whole passage has time words all the way through, almost to the very last verse, but not quite. <clears throat> Even verse 15, I think that's, that's the last time word, make us glad according to the days the days, a time word, wherein thou hast afflicted us, and the years wherein we have seen evil. So this psalm is about time, isn't it? It's about the duration and the passing of time. It's about the brevity of time. It's also about sin. It's also about iniquity. Because here, here in this passage of Scripture, um, <clears throat> Moses is, is talking about man's iniquity. He says in verse 8, Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins, in the light of thy countenance. And, and because of our sin, because of our iniquity, there is also God's wrath and God's righteous anger against his people because of their sin. And so Moses is asking God to, to return to his people because his people have sinned, and Moses is reflecting on their sins, and, and he's considering their iniquities, and then he's also realizing that our years are consumed by his wrath. And our lives have been shortened. Can you imagine what life would have been like? I know we can't really imagine it because we don't really know exactly what it would be like, but <clears throat> imagine that... <clears throat> When Adam and Eve sinned, if God had left them in the Garden of Eden, and they had partaken of, of the tree of life, and they could live forever in their sins. But God didn't do that. He, 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 he cast them out. He drove them out of the Garden of Eden because, because of sin, we live short lives. Because we are sinful creatures, we live short lives. You remember the, the Tower of Babel and how God scattered the people. Because as, as, as the people gather together and unite themselves together to do sinful things, imagine the awful sin that that will result in. And so God has so willed to scatter the nations. And we see Babel coming back again today and men uniting together again to do those things which are evil. <clears throat> but Moses sees God's wrath and God's righteous and holy anger against sin. And he, and he sees the brevity of life and he talks about it. You know, Moses in the very first 11 verses, 
is giving a contemplation. He's actually um, contemplating life and time and, and God, and, and he's contemplating the sins of, of humanity, and he's contemplating God's anger, and he has not asked one single thing in 11 verses. Do you know when you pray, you don't always have to ask. You don't always have to go before God and, and begin to, to pound the throne of grace with all of your requests. But Moses is talking to God in verses 1 through 11. He's a man who's communing with his God, and he's communing with his God around uh, the, the historical workings of God in the history of the world. And he's, he's communing with God in, in a theological way. Moses is a theologian. He's a theologian as, as he begins the, the psalm, Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. God is the home of his people. He's the dwelling place of his people. He's where we have our residence. We, we need a refuge. We need a place. Homes are wonderful places, aren't they? When, when you have a home, you have a place where you can go and carry your burdens. You can go and you can hide there. You're safe in your home. You, you go inside and you lock the doors and you know everything's safe. We're in our home again. And the winds are howling outside. Did you hear the winds last night? The winds are howling outside and the tree branches are falling and we're sitting in our homes and we're warm and we're, 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 in, we're in a place of refuge. Moses realized that God was the dwelling place of his people in all generations. <clears throat> Moses found refuge in God. Moses found peace in God. Moses found uh, nourishment in God, which is what we find in our, in our homes. Everything wonderful about our homes, you can think about it, everything wonderful is what we find in God. And he's our eternal refuge. Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. In verse 2, Moses is praying theologically. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. He's not merely talking about the eternality of, God, of, of, of our God or the existence of God that God is, but he's talking about the fact that God was God, is God, and forever will be God because he is from everlasting to everlasting. He is the eternal God. And so he is talking to, to the God who is, is the personal God of his people, and, and, and God, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. And I trust that God is your dwelling place tonight. Is God your dwelling place? Can you say, oh God, you have been my dwelling place. I have found refuge in you. Is God your dwelling place tonight? Young people, consider that God is a refuge for his people. Do you realize that, that God is God from everlasting to everlasting? He is the eternal God. Always was God. Always is God. Always will be God. Existing actually outside of time. Existing in eternity. And not limited by space and time and matter in this continuum of the world in which we live, but our God is the transcendent, eternal God. And Moses is addressing him in that very personal and wonderful way. He says, Thou turnest man to destruction, and sayest, Return, ye children of men. <clears throat> For a while I wondered, what is Moses saying here? What is, what is Moses saying? That, that God turns man whom he created to destruction. And God says to man, return, ye children of men. 
and it reminds us of what he said, <coughs> that man is made of dust, and that man would return to the dust from whence he came. And so he says, return, ye children of men. Ye children of dust, return to the dust. And, God, and Moses is talking to God as he's, as he's saying these things. He says, for a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday when it is past. A thousand years seem like a long time to us, don't they? Now, there was a man, Methuselah, and I think he lived, what was it, 969 years? It's a long time. Methuselah lived a very long life. He almost made it to a thousand, but he didn't quite reach it, did he? Imagine if men were able to live thousands upon thousands of years before they died. You know, what if that man is a very sinful man and he never repents and he just keeps on living? God has a purpose and God has a reason for shortening man's life because of man's sinfulness. <clears throat> man is a sinful creature, but he says a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past and as a watch in the night. And so God is outside of time and he looks in and the time that God sees in this world, the, the, the time that God conceives of in his infinite mind is nothing. Time is nothing to God. You know? Time is nothing. A thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday when it is past, and as a watch in the night. Thou carriest them away as with a flood. Okay, here's man again. And, and God carries man away as with a flood. They're as asleep. Your life is just like a sleep. <laughs> we, don't, we don't say this in America, but um, uh, in other places they say, I'm going to take a sleep. <laughs> you, you, you carry them away as, as with a flood. They're as asleep. And, and sleeping in the night can go so quickly. And the alarm goes off in the morning, and, and we don't want to hear it. We don't want to get up. You young people, do you like to sleep at night? Sometimes the alarm wakes us up, and we don't want to get up. Or mom or dad wakes us up, and we don't want to get up. But it was such a short time. We, we closed our eyes, we slept, and we awoke. And that is what life is like. In the morning, they are like grass which groweth up. In the morning it flourisheth. The, the grass grows in the morning and it's green and it's vibrant and it's alive and groweth up and in the evening it is cut down and withers. And that's what our human lives are like. Our lives are so brief and they're so quick. They come and they go. <clears throat> I've lived 65 years. I'm in my 66th year <laughs> right now, living that new year of life. And I'll celebrate the anniversary of life again at the end of that. But life is going by us so quickly. Moses is reflecting on this. He hasn't asked anything from God, but he's recounting. He's, if, if we were to put it in Puritan terms, he's meditating upon these things. He's contemplating these things, and he's, he's addressing God with all of this truth that life is so short because God is dealing with his people. Perhaps people are dying. Perhaps there is a pestilence. Perhaps there is a plague among God's people, and Moses is speaking of these things. He says in verse 7, For we are consumed by thine anger, and by thy wrath are we troubled. And so it is that our sins bring chastening. And let me say that our sins bring judgment in our lives. I know there are some Christians who, who don't like to say that God judges Christians. Let me just tell you that God is going to judge you in the end of time. 
that you are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. You are going to stand before the great white throne of judgment. And God will judge you on the basis of your works. Your works are not what save you, because it's whether or not your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, but you will be judged on the basis of your works. God will look at all of our works. Our works that have, that have either been the works of a, of a person outside of Christ who has lived life selfishly and, and for ourselves, or a life that has been in Christ, and by his grace we have lived for him, but he will judge us, and we will stand before him. But here Moses is reflecting on the fact that God has a righteous and a holy anger and a wrath. And he says, for we are consumed by thine anger and by thy wrath are we troubled. I think we are seeing something of that in our nation today. Are you with me? We are seeing something of that in America today that that we are a troubled nation. We're seeing that in in the world today, that the world is in a time of great upheaval. And there is a a grasping after power in this world. And that they want you to own nothing and be happy. And God is the one who gives us property ownership. And God is the one who, who says, thou shalt not steal, because there is property ownership. Moses says in verse 8, thou, shalt, thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins in the light of thy countenance. <clears throat> and so it is that God sees everything we think. And God sees all of our strayings of mind and of heart. And God sees us whenever we turn aside to go after the flesh or whether, whether we do not resist the temptation that comes into our life, God sees it, and God sets our iniquities before himself and our secret sins in the light of his countenance. Now Moses is really reflecting theologically in truth upon an attribute of God that God is a God of wrath, God is a God of anger, in relation to man's sinfulness. And then he says, For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. As a tale that is told. You children, you like stories, don't you? And I was staying with a friend up in Georgia, and one of his boys was so much fun, and he may be listening to this message, so I won't tell his name. But that little boy, Joel and I were visiting this, this family, and that little boy, that young man, um, asked me. I had told a story, okay? Maybe I had a story about Africa or something. And he said, Mr. Maxson, would you tell us another story? And I told him another story. And I thought, that's, that's good. You know, I've told him another story. Mr. Maxson, would you please tell us another story? And on and on we went, telling stories until I ran out of stories. And that's pretty bad. I just ran out of stories. And I said, no, that's enough. (laughs) It seemed to me like it was forever. But really, you think about it, a story doesn't take very long, does it? Nate's, Nate's boys love to come to my house, and there's one particular book that they like to read. They don't read it. But we read it. And they say, would you read me this? And here's this big book. And it's about a little boy that goes out and finds a baby bear, raises him, and the baby bear does bad things. And, and it, the story goes on and on. <clears throat> you guys want to hear the rest of the story? You have to come to my house. <clears throat> but the story is finished, and it's over. And it goes so quickly, doesn't it? It, it just goes so fast. And Moses is saying, we spend our years as a tale that is told. We, we, we spend our years so briefly in this world. Our years, the years of our lives go by so quickly. They're, they go by fast. The days of our years are threescore years and ten. By the way, that's 70. 
And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, that's eighty. Yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off, and we fly away. And so Moses is telling us that even eighty years is, is really a short period of time, isn't it? You look at God's thousand years that are just as nothing, and we just live 70, perhaps 80 years. My mom is 93, and I thank God for that. My neighbor down the street who walked all the way from her house to my house with several houses in between, <clears throat> Rena Horn, she's 93 and a half years old. And had, has her little walker and made it to our house, and Grace and I took one arm each, and I took her walker, and we walked her back home. And I don't know if she would have made it back on her own. She may have. <clears throat> but even that 93 years in the sight of God is a very short period of time. And even ourselves, you know, my mom tells me that, Frank, life has been so fast, and time has gone so quickly. I'm 65, as I mentioned, and the other day I was saying, what happened to 61 and 62 and 63 and 64? It just seems like I was 60 just a short time ago. But time has gone so quickly. And Moses says, it is soon cut off and we fly away. Who knoweth the power of thine anger, even according to thy fear? So is thy wrath. And so Moses has been speaking to God in contemplation. I'm finding my place in my notes because I left them. And I have a few things to say here at the end of this passage. <clears throat> now, let's all admit that was very depressing, wasn't it? That, that was depressing. It's, it's depressing to, to, to think about, about God's wrath against mankind. It's, it's a depressing thought that God's righteous anger is poured out and our years have been compressed into a short span of time. And that, and that our lives fly away. They, they just come and they go and they come and they go and the generations pass and it all happens so quickly. We thank God for life. We thank God for, for making us and, and giving us time here on this earth. But there's something far better. And Moses goes into that. Now, if we didn't have the latter part of this passage, why, why would we talk about these things? But in verse 12, Moses says, So teach us. Lord, do something for us. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Lord, teach us to number our days. Now, what does that mean to number our days? And by the way, every verse from this point on, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, Moses is asking God. He's making requests. And these are glorious requests. And we're going to apply them to us in the new covenant. <clears throat> but here in verse 12, he says, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. What does this mean to number our days? Well, to number our days is not merely to keep an accounting of them. It's, it's not merely to say, okay, I've lived 65 years. Haven't I numbered my days? No, I haven't. I, I, have, I have told you how old I am, but Moses is talking about something deeper than that. <clears throat> to, know that the, to number our days is not merely to know the exact number of them. The word number can also be translated to weigh. Lord, teach us to weigh our days. Teach us to, to make a, a proper accounting of the days that you've given to us, to think about them, to consider them. Lord, teach us. And only the Lord can teach us this. This is a spiritual teaching. Teach us to number our days. 
We are to number our days in the sense of valuing them, setting a high estimation upon them, seeing their true worth as in the sight of God, that God has given us days in which to live, and we are to value those days. We are to esteem them highly. We are to to see the the value and the, the worth and the estimation of them in the sight of God. Even worldly men number their days in a sense by using their time carefully, don't they? They want to make money. They want to get ahead in life. And, and, and so they, they put away procrastination and they set goals and they try to improve their time. But <clears throat> while that is a part of numbering our days, it's not the full meaning. The numbering of our days in Psalm 90 is a spiritual numbering. That only God can teach us. That God teaches us to value our days. And it enables us to apply our hearts unto wisdom. And that sets it apart from worldly numbering. We must number our days because our days are numbered. We must number our days because our days are numbered. This is just another way of saying we must value our days because we will all die someday and that someday is coming very quickly. And we will return to the dust. Our bodies will be destroyed even as Moses said, thou turnest man to destruction and sayest, return ye children of men. And so we need to number our days. To number our days is a spiritual numbering. It's the same as redeeming the time because the days are evil. And so redeeming means to buy back and we, and we buy back the time because the days are evil. Uh, Paul didn't say redeeming the time because the days are short or the days are few. But he said because the days are evil, which brings it into the spiritual realm. We are to redeem the time because the days are evil. And Lord, teach us to number our days because of this evil world in which we live and because of this sinful flesh and because of this sinful world and this sinful devil that we're fighting against. And because there's an eternity that we're passing into and there's a judgment and a God before whom we'll stand. In the context of Psalm 90, in the previous context of this verse on numbering our days, numbering our days involves seeing that our lives are brief. That's a part of numbering our days, seeing that life is short and that we should value each day as an opportunity to serve the Lord, to know him better, to walk with him, to be filled with his spirit and to glorify him. How does a person waste his life? How does a person waste his life one day at a time, one second at a time? How does a person number his days one day at a time, one second at a time, one hour at a time? Every day is a precious gift from God. Also in the context of this this verse and, and in the context of the whole psalm, Psalm 90, numbering our days involves putting away our sins in the light of God's chastening and judgment. This is what verses 1 through 11 focus upon. Numbering our days and applying our hearts unto wisdom involves putting away sin in the light of God's chastening and judgment. It involves getting right with God. It involves praying this this prayer and, and asking God to return and to repent of what he's doing in our lives. Also in context with verses 13 through 17, numbering our days has an intimate connection with God's presence with us all of our days. Numbering our days is not only about the previous context, but numbering our days is connected with the following context, which has to do with God's presence in our lives all of our days. 
And so then Moses goes on to say, Return, O Lord, how long? And let it repent thee concerning thy servants, because Moses has known the presence of God. You remember how Moses said, Lord, if you don't go with us, then how can we go forward? And, and he's crying out to God that, God, you would return to us, that you would come back to us. And that should be the prayer of all of our hearts. When, when we sense that we have gone astray from God and sin has entered into our lives and we're not walking with God, we're, we're in a spiritual stupor, in a spiritual sleep and a lethargy. And we should cry out, return, O Lord, how long? Even as David in Psalm 51 is, is crying out to the Lord that the Lord would create in him a clean heart and renew a right spirit in him and that God would restore the joy of his salvation and that, that David would experience the blessed presence of God again. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. And that's what Moses is praying. Isn't this, isn't this so wonderful that here's a man thousands of years ago who is praying as we pray today. God is the same, man is the same, and prayer is the same. And Moses is teaching us how to pray. Return, O Lord. Come, come back to your people. Let us experience your, your countenance. Let us see your smile upon us. Return, O Lord. And that's what God does in revival. He comes back to his people, as it were. He's there, but he comes back in his manifest presence, and they know he's there. Return, O Lord, how long? And let it repent thee concerning thy servants. Moses prays that God would return. In verse 14, Moses prays for God's mercy and the rejoicing and gladness that attend such visits of God in mercy. He says, O satisfy us early with thy mercy that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. O oh, satisfy us early with thy mercy. We may deserve the wrath of God. We may deserve the chastening hand of God. We may deserve the righteous and holy anger of a jealous God. But God, satisfy us early with thy mercy. Moses had seen the mercy of God, hadn't he? Moses had seen that God did forgive his people, that God did come back and go with his people with that guiding light and that, that cloud by day and that light by night. And so he says, satisfy us early with thy mercy, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. <clears throat> We need God's mercy daily. We need it every day. And, and we need, as believers, we need to have joy. We need to have gladness. And so he says that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. And verse 15 flows out of verse 14 because, again, he says, make us glad. Make us cheerful. Make us joyful <coughs> according to the days wherein we, you have, thou hast afflicted us. And the years wherein we have seen evil. O Lord, just as we have seen so many years of affliction and so many years of, of trouble, of evil in our lives. Lord, make us glad. Make us cheerful now. Let us, let us live the rest of our lives in gladness and cheer. Lord, do that for us. How many of you want to be cheerful? How many of you want to be joyful? Well, then be joyful because you have something to rejoice about. And the Lord has given us a holy joy. Make us glad. Moses is praying these things. He says in verse 16, Let thy work appear unto thy servants and thy glory unto their children. Moses has seen the work of God, hasn't he? He saw God at the burning bush. He saw God in his works in Egypt as he poured out um, the plagues upon the Egyptians 
and as he spared the Israelites there in Goshen. He saw the works of God at the Red Sea when, and I believe that this, this prayer that Moses prayed is somewhere toward the end of his life. It seems that way. And there are other commentators who, who see it that way. But as the Egyptians pursued Israel out of Egypt, they saw the mighty works of God as God opened the sea and the nation crossed on dry land. And as God brought the waters back onto the Egyptian army of Pharaoh and destroyed the army and they saw the mighty works of God. He wants to see it again. Do you want to see the works of God? He says, let thy work appear unto thy servants and thy glory unto their children. Oh, that our children would see the glory of God in our day. How much we need this today. How much we need as all of this evil is happening in higher places around us, that we would see the work of God. And who is it that sees that? The world may not even see it. The Egyptians couldn't even see what God was doing. But it was the people of God who saw it. And oh, that we would see, as God's people, that we would see the work of God in our day. That, that his, his work would appear unto us, his servants, and his glory would be manifest in our midst, and our children would see it. And then he says, And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us, and establish thou the work of our hands upon us. Yea, the work of our hands establish thou it. Well, let me say, that all of this that Moses prays is found in Christ. Everything that Moses has prayed in this prayer is found in Christ. Christ, by his Spirit, teaches us to number our days. Christ causes the Lord's presence to return to us. Christ satisfies us early with mercy. He he fills our hearts with joy and gladness all our days. He makes us glad according to the days wherein he afflicted us and the years wherein we have seen evil. Hallelujah, but he gives us his joy in Christ Jesus because of what Jesus did for us. He says, let thy work appear unto thy servants. It is the work of Christ that that we need to see. It is that work that needs to be uh, apparent before the eyes of God's servants and, and the glory of Christ in our midst manifested even in the eyes of our children. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. That beauty is in Christ. It is the righteousness of Christ that is our glorious dress. Let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. You know, we all want beauty, don't we? Who wants to live in an ugly house? I wonder about these guys that that write these signs that say, I buy ugly houses. Who's ever going to call that guy? Are you going to call that guy and say, I live in an ugly house? No, I don't want him to buy my house. We want beauty. We want, we want beautiful homes. We want beautiful clothes. You guys dressed up nice tonight because you didn't want to be ugly. And, and God created us with a love for beauty. He is the most beautiful being in all of, in, in all of conception, in all of the universe and, and beyond the universe. God is the God of glorious beauty. And we want the beauty of the Lord our God to be upon us. That is found in Christ. He gives us beauty. He gives us the beauty of God's righteousness. That that law that we had, we had broken and we had, we had brought ugliness into our lives by that broken law, Christ kept that law perfectly. And he gives us his perfect righteousness, his beauty. And then he says, And establish thou the work of our hands upon us. Yea, the work of our hands, establish thou it. Isn't it wonderful how Moses begins with God and he ends with works? And this is God's order, that we begin with God and we end with works. You don't begin with your works. 
but you begin with God. Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. And then at the end, let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us and establish thou the work of our hands upon us. You, Lord, do our works in us. It is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Yea, the work of our hands, establish thou it. Start without God and start with your works and you'll miss the mark. Begin with God and your works will be established. Amen. Isn't Moses' prayer a beautiful prayer? Isn't it a glorious prayer? I love to reflect on it. Lord, teach us to number our days. Lord, teach us to pray. Numbering our days involves being men and women of prayer. Numbering our days involves obedience to God in his word and spending time in his word. This is not an abstract thought. This is... This is getting right with God and walking with him in the pathway that he's ordained through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. May God bless us to be a spiritual people. May God bless us to be a revived people. May God bless us to be an awake people. Not sleeping, but alive and awake in him. And his beauty resting upon us and his glory in our lives. Amen. Well, let us stand for prayer. Father, we thank you and praise you for your holy word. And we pray that you would take anything out of our minds that should not be there. But, O Lord, that you would cause your word to sink down deep into our hearts. That you would teach us, O Lord, our God, our refuge, our our dwelling place in all generations, O God, that you would teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Through Christ Jesus, our Lord, I pray that you would bless your people in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And the benediction will be from the words of Moses. Numbers chapter 6, the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Amen. 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 God bless you.